I'm walking all alone down my yellow brick road and I stomp to the beat of my own drum. Welcome to Stacked Keys Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stackhouse, a podcast to feature women who are impressive in the work world or in raising a family or who have hobbies that can make us all be encouraged, want to hear what makes these women passionate and get up in the morning or what they wish that they'd known earlier in life. Grab your keys and stomp to your own drum. Today I'm really excited to have with me Kaya Jackson and we are going to go down so many roads. I can figure already that um, she has a compelling story about why she does what she does and Kaya, welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I Thanks am for so, having me on. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you. So um, if somebody were to ask you who you are professionally, personally, how do you, how would you tell them who you are? How do you describe Kaya? Okay. Um, well, professionally, uh, I'm a strength and conditioning coach and a jujitsu athlete and coach. Uh, personally, uh, I, I kind of define myself as like those same things. What I do in like my quote unquote professional life is the same as like what I do in my daily life. So like, even if it wasn't like a professional thing, if I didn't have professional aspirations in these things, I would still be uh, you know, doing jujitsu and strength and conditioning. Those are my, my passions. So I guess that is how I would define myself professionally and personally. All right. How did you get into that? Did you just, did you grow up in a gym? Did you grow up as an athlete? Um, I played sports in high school, but never any martial arts. Um, I actually stumbled into martial arts. I was interested because I saw Ronda Rousey like dominating in the UFC and I was like, okay, all right, I think I might be able to do some striking. Like it, I, I needed something to do in college because I, I was missing like the team sports. And so I, I went to a striking class and I tried it and it was okay. And then he was like, you should come try jujitsu. And I was like, ah, I don't really know about that. That seems pretty like close, like you seem pretty close together and you got on like this gi and stuff. I'm not really sure if I want to do it. Well, I ended up loving the class, but like I was in college time. I couldn't afford it. Like a lot of different factors played into it. I didn't really care for the environment of the gym. And so I, it almost turned me off completely from doing jujitsu until I came here in Alabama. I'm from Mississippi originally. So I came to Alabama and I had on like a jujitsu hoodie and this guy in, at the place that I was interning at was like, Hey, you should come try tip planning muscle shows. And I was like, okay, I'll come try it. And it was like an instant fit. And I was like, all right, I think I want to do this forever. <laughs> wow. So that's just how I got into it. Yeah. So the gym environment, I mean, it's even now not necessarily woman dominated. So, you know, were you intimidated? Are you intimidated? Do you see that? Um, 
No. I, I, I was the girl that always played football, tackle football in the yard with the guys. I would have, like, the biggest ponytails and the biggest hairballs and, like, um, like tights and stuff, and I'd come back to my mom all muddy, and I'd have a hole in my tights, and I'd be like, I'm sorry, but I, I like, lost a hairball. And so <laughs> I never um, – I was never really intimidated because I always, like, hung out with guys, and I always played sports with guys. So I, I didn't really feel it, but it is nice to have – a bunch of women training together. So now my gym has, I want to say at least eight to 10 women that are like training consistently, which is really big. That's for huge. The gym size. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's nice to have, it's nice to, to have people to relate to. But as far as intimidation goes, I wasn't, uh, I, I've never really like paid attention to it much. And the guys in the gym are just so nice and understanding that I don't have to like, you know, worry about, oh man, I'm a girl. This guy might try to like really hurt me. So I trust those guys. Yeah. You know, jujitsu, that's interesting that you say that early on in the conversation, trust. Jujitsu involves a tremendous amount of trust. So yes. kind of explore that for me. I mean, it. I can see it from the outside, but what's it like from the inside? So there's, there's like two two uh elements i kind of think about like trusting your or three actually so there's trust in your in your teammates that that all right we're all here to to train and get better and we're not here to do anything malicious we're not here to like you know try to show out on the other person and then there's trusting your coach trust that like your coach will kind of like in control the environment control your training and just like you know steer you the right way as far you as far as your jujitsu journey goes and then there's a like a no, another element of trust when competition comes in sometimes you kind of trust that the person that you're competing against it's like um i trust that they're out to like do their best without you know like doing anything malicious and i'm also like agreeing to like be out there and give my best without doing anything malicious Oh, so when you like when you talk about like trusting jujitsu, that's like the the three ways I'll kind of like group everything. I like that. So so there are different levels, and you know, I guess I didn't ever think about the fact that you can separate that feeling and that emotion of doing your best and tearing somebody's head off. I mean, that's <laughs> like you know, <laughs> yeah, it's strange, but it's. I don't know, it's crazy to watch, um, to, to be on the outside and, like, watch guys really try to, like, rip each other apart and then get up and smile and shake hands and be the best of friends. That's probably my favorite part. <laughs> Me too, because I have been on the sidelines as a parent a lot, and I don't think Isaac was ever in any sport. I mean, think about high school football. I mean, you couldn't even go in the towns of some of the people you played against because it was that vicious um i yes, guess swimming yes. my kids swam and that that was kind of like because you're sitting around for hours and hours waiting for your 30 seconds so you kind of became mm -hmm. friends with the competitors too but um right it is about the only sport i've really seen where you hit somebody in the face or do a a leg lock and then hug them yeah yeah I think there's like a, a mutual 
respect and there's an understanding like oh man like this guy chose not because because it's a sport this guy chose not to break my leg yeah or chose to like you know allow me to tap out and also a respect in like oh man this person trained really hard here and this person like went through we both kind of understand what the like trials and tribulations are on the mats to to get in front of people and try to compete and try to you know rip each other apart yeah so how many years have you been practicing jiu-jitsu so uh i think it's close to five now close to five uh i started i started um i tried the classes in college and then i came here i think in 2017 i believe and i did a few months and then i had to go back to college because i was here on an internship i somehow convinced them to let me come back for another internship that never ended and um <laughs> i've just been training ever since then <laughs> oh so i like the internship that never ended so what what is that internship that never ended well eventually it did but um so i when i decided to go off to college in 2014 uh i tried to do aerospace engineering that's what i wanted to major in but because of like scholarship availability and stuff i ended up switching to air to mechanical engineering and um from there i ended up getting an internship my sophomore year at um at another place a uh, place that built lawnmower engines in mississippi and i hated it and i was like all right maybe i should try another company and so i found a company in alabama and from there i did an internship went back to school and then convinced them to do a second term internship and while i was there on the second term i was like well i kind of want to keep training i want to stay here in alabama can you guys like hire me on as a part-time engineer like a junior engineer while i finish my classes i have like five classes left at the time i had like five classes left and i'm like can you just like can y'all hire me on so i worked like 32 hours uh at that job and then i would go take two classes and then i would train at nighttime Ooh, you were walking yeah it was a it was a busy schedule yeah wow so are you um doing your engineering career now or have you kind of put that I'm, on? i'm not yeah uh no i decided um in the midst of that part-time like that part-time gig i decided that i didn't want to do it at all i i knew in 2016 after the first after the very first internship that i, I wasn't sure about doing this for the rest of my life it didn't really bring me joy um but you know it's really hard to tell your mom that all right you've made it all the way all, all the way to your junior year and you want to quit <laughs> like something that could like really pay off in the end and so uh, i stuck i stuck with it just so that i didn't have to tell her that that's kind of why i got the part-time job like to and finish tried to finish online so i i decided in 2016 well i knew in 2016 but i decided at the end of like towards the end i was like crying uh on my way to work i drove 45 minutes to work and i would cry early in the morning just crying like have to get myself together in the parking lot because i really just didn't want to be there <laughs> and um yeah so i one day they 
uh, one day I just decided I called my coach and I was like, hey, I think I'm about to quit my job. I, I don't know what's next, but if you can like, if you have any work for me, like let me know. And he called me back, him and his wife, Lindsay, called me back and were like, hey, we, we have this, this and this. How much do you need to like survive for a couple of months? And I was like, here's my number. I'll do whatever you need me to do. And he called me back and gave me a job. And I think I put in my two weeks notice that day. Wow. Wow. All right. What makes you confident? Where are you getting your confidence? Hmm. So um, I think my confidence comes from the things that I do in my daily life. So my like the the habits and the routines that I stick to in my daily life. Um, for a while, for a very long time, I struggled with confidence, confidence in speaking, confidence in just like talking to people. So the fact that I'm even gonna, doing like a podcast right now, it's like crazy. Because a few years ago, I would have been too timid or too shy to say anything. But um, I think my confidence comes from like the discipline and the things that I decided to do with my daily life. Well, it's certainly paying off. So how was telling your mom? Oh man, it's still kind of rough. That like she she comes from a background where people always say, Hey, listen, you need to get out of school, go get a degree, go have a good, nice paying job with your benefits and you know, have kids. Like there's a traditional way. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that way. I just I knew it wasn't the way for me. So I'm still like, I'm still now trying to like figure out what my set path is, but I knew that that wasn't it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but mom is supporting the go for it. Does she show up at fights and competitions? Yeah, she, oh, well, for a while she didn't really know what jujitsu was. So trying to explain it to her was really weird. But just recently, the last um, fight I had was in Florida, and I took her with me. So I, my coaches couldn't come, and I didn't really care to, like, ask my teammates and stuff because it's a big, like, time commitment, big money commitment. So I was like, hey, Mom, you want to go to Florida to one of my competitions? This is her very first one, and she absolutely loved it. And, like, just seeing her be happy and, like, enjoy the, the competitions and ask questions – this is the first time in almost five years, like she's actually like taking interest in jujitsu. She'll watch some of my fights and be like, oh yeah, good job. But now she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I actually started, um, started calling her coach while oh, I was there. Great. She was like, yeah, I'm a coach now. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. So, well, so, yeah. you know, you're not chopping off any bridge or pathways. You're just, going forward and taking everything who you are with you. So that's, that's yes. pretty commendable and, and admirable. So you, you also serve as the, the conditioning strength and conditioning coach. So what does that mean in your day? How, how does that play out for you? I'm sorry. Speaking of mom, mom, You're keeps right. Hi, mom. Over over. is that mom? <laughs> <laughs> um, so strength and conditioning, um, at first, I was doing uh, an 8 a.m. and a 6 p.m. class, but now I've completely switched off to like online training. So I run an online strength and conditioning program for jujitsu athletes. Um, the strength and conditioning here, um, it it was really good. There there were a couple of women that came in and they were just looking to like 
lose weight and get in shape for jujitsu. And so I really got to like experiment with them and uh, just learn as, as much as they were learning from me, I was learning from them, like what moves worked, what, uh, what cues could I tell them to make them do a move right. And so when I switched over to online, it was super beneficial that I had served as like the strength and conditioning coach for a year here at 10 Planet Decatur. So I, I really enjoyed that part of, of like being an athlete, the strength and conditioning. That was, that was actually my base before I got into jujitsu. Before I got into jujitsu, I um I really just worked as a strength and conditioning coach or a fitness coach. I was a, a trainer before I started jujitsu, and so being able to like blend the two, it just it was perfect. It was like a perfect fit, and so that's something I'm like continuing to build and build and build. Yeah. So strength and conditioning, a lot of times that does depend on what your sport is as to how you're conditioning. And so it's important for you to know what that feels like, what it feels like when it goes wrong or what, and, and I'm speaking again from the sideline, but when you've got somebody that's got an injury, then the strength and conditioning is even more valid and, and what you have to do and figure out how to yes. compensate while they're healing or, or whatever. Have you had an experience that is fairly interesting on, on that where you've specifically had to kind of dive into something that maybe you didn't know, but you had to learn? Well, here recently, it's, it's funny. I said before, right before we started this episode, I was um, getting like dry needling done for my neck, for my like traps and stuff. <laughs> yeah so um this is this has been like a like a really good learning experience like you brought up injury and i think that strength and conditioning is like the number one injury prevention tool for a sport like jujitsu any kind of combat sport where you're like stretching your body and like it's really high impact and you're like colliding with another person strength and conditioning is always going to be like the number one um the number one tool for for preventing injury and you want to strengthen those tendons you want to strengthen those mus muscles around and just make sure that everything is uh well balanced and so um somewhere along the lines i um ended up with like some kind of nick there's like a bunch of inflammation in my traps and so just learning i actually decided to go to physical therapy for this so that i can learn that way if any of my, any of my teammates experience this i'll be able to like you know, recommend exercises and recommend um, different training protocols that'll help because I'm having to like dive in and learn for myself. And so uh, today, actually, I did dry needling and they like stuck the needle in my trap and it just started like moving crazy. And he was like, this is um, the most twitches we've ever gotten out of a muscle in the years that I've been dry needling. <laughs> he was like, this is really not it. And he like gave me some information, he gave me this sheet, just uh, telling me what to do and how to like, you know, rehab my injury or the soreness and stuff that comes after. So this is the one thing that I, I've decided to like dive into so that I can like be of service to somebody else. Yeah. Wow. That, that is interesting that we have that timely question. Um, dry needling, <laughs> I have to ask. I mean, I'm thinking acupuncture is what I'm relating that to. And then I'm seeing all kinds of needles that might be sticking out. And 
So dry needling, is it like a bunch of little needles? Um, it's, so it's not a, I only felt one big needle. It wasn't like a long needle. I feel, uh, so he put it into, he just did one needle. And then he was like looking for the muscle, I guess the spot where the muscle would like release itself. <laughs> and so I only felt, I felt a couple of pokes on the left side. And once he finally found the good one, you could tell because it felt like he was moving the needle, but my muscle was moving the needle around. And then oh, on the man. right side, it was one poke. And yeah, he just found it right away and it just started moving. So I, I only felt one needle. It wasn't a bunch of little needles. It was like one decent size needle. Okay. I was seeing like, pin cushion. <laughs> So, <laughs> I I, I'm not sure. I was like face down. So yeah, I, yeah, it, you're it not bigger than a pink cushion. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Do, so, do you have to have that repeated, or did it? Um, is it a one-time releasing? I, I hope it's a one-time release thing. I'm not exactly sure, but um, I, I think he found like the the trigger point, and it yeah. should be fine. It's really sore right now. Yeah. But. Um, he said it'll go away after 24 hours. Just hydrate and uh, pay attention to, to my soreness and stuff. Huh. Interesting. We'll have to do a check <laughs> back in with you and find out uh, <laughs> a one month check back, see how you're doing. Uh, but that's fine. Right, right. There's so much to the human body and what you're doing to it in jujitsu. I mean, I've watched some stuff, it's not exactly normal movements. And putting somebody in a crucifix hurts. I mean, that's that gets those shoulders and and everything. So, do you do you have areas that you particularly are fond of going after, or uh, it, do you have a move that you're fairly known for? <laughs> um, I always when people always ask me like what my favorite move is. I always say the punch choke because it's it's really funny. It's it's more funny than it is like uh, effective. It can be effective, but everybody kind of knows it's coming. So um, I, I like to play uh, like a really heavy top game. And what happens is when you when you get on top, there are only so many moves that you do that you can do. And so everybody kind of learns how to defend them. And so the the challenge becomes all right, how do I make this person move in a way that they already know is wrong, but they don't really have a choice. And so my solution for that sometimes is the punch choke is like, all right, um, they have their hands down or they're like trying to escape, which means their neck is free. And so I'll throw the punch choke in and then their hands will come back up. And it's like, all right, you're fighting the choke now. You're not like trying to escape anymore. And it's kind of funny when it actually works. And, or like when a guy thinks he's out of something or she's out of something and you like throw it in and you're just like looking at him, waiting on him to tap. And that's, it's just, it's more funny than it is effective. But <laughs> that's, that's probably my favorite thing to see. That's funny. So that I haven't met Brandon in person yet, but um, it seems like that kind of move is how he functions in a humorous way. So is that coming out of out of Tenth Planet Decatur with with Brandon with B Mac? A hundred percent. Because I, the joke is, I don't believe that the punch choke works at all. Especially like when he's doing it to me, I'm like, no, this won't work on me. 
I like be talking to him and we'll just talk to each other. And he's like, oh, it's going to work. And then like he 100% believes in it because it will work. But like he doesn't believe in it when somebody else is doing it to him either. And so, yeah, it definitely comes from him. That's his signature move. So, like throw the punch choke and look at you. Yeah, I just figured and, that and sounded let you like decide. And let you decide. <laughs> That's funny. So somebody that he doesn't know knows that it all ought to do it to him. And so like <laughs> tell Isaac, go, hey, go try this. I want to see if it works. So yeah. <laughs> um well and that kind of leads me into the next thing. Um I've watched some of y'all on Instagram and just some of the posts, and it just looks like you're having a lot of fun in your practices and in your, I mean, there's the silliness, there's the seriousness, there's just this complete mix in, of an environment. What, what is the atmosphere like? What's it like to feel a part of that connection? Yeah, it's, it's like having a, a second family. Like the reason I can be away from my family for so long, like I live, I'm from Mississippi originally, but the reason I can be away from them for like extended periods of time is because when I come into the gym two and three times a day, like I have my other family there. And so, uh, yeah, we, we play a lot. We, we talk trash to each other and there, there are times where we get serious about our training and it's just like being a part of a, a, a really big family. And again, it goes back to like trust. Like we trust that nobody's there to like do anything harmful or be malicious and we we trust that we're all there for the same reasons because we love to train and because we want to get better at it and so just being a part of that 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 circle or being a part of the gym period is just like being a part of a big family yeah well i've i've kind of thought kaya that in the age that you are is probably the most difficult age in life because you're coming out of being in a group. You've been in all your athletics as a group. You've gone through high school, college, and in college, you're still clustered together with whether you want to be friends or not, you're working on a project. And now all of a sudden you're alone and you know, you go to something and people say, have a great evening. And then you go home alone. So how, how's that? How do you navigate that part of adulthood? Well, I, I hear a bunch of my my friends uh, talk about like the the struggle to find other friends, and to be honest, I'm I'm a bit of a loner anyway. Even in college, I, I never really went out much. I didn't really have a lot of friends. Um, all of my friends were older. Uh, I just so I don't struggle as much. Actually, the people at the gym kind of make fun of me because <laughs> it's like because I'll go home and I'll just disappear. And they're just like, we really don't know who you are outside of the gym. Uh, I've been out a couple of times with them to like get food and stuff. But like, once I'm home, I just like to be home. I'm a bit of a homebody. Like I, I don't go out much. They already know, like if it's a after training and it's late, if it's past nine o'clock, I'm probably not going. <laughs> I'm probably going to bed. On my way huh? to bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Lindsay or Brandon will text me and be like, "Hey, I know it's late, but hey, can you look at this thing for me?" And it'll be like nine, ten. It's like, "Hey, I know it's late, but I know you might be in the bed." But <laughs> so, so I don't struggle as much with um with like being alone. And you know, when I do struggle with 
or the the times that I do struggle with being alone, I spend hours in the gym full of, I mean, there's usually like 40 or 50 people on the mat. So like, that's kind of my family there. Like I'm either home with my, my real family or I'm in the gym with my gym family. And yeah. that's most of my day. So when I am alone, I'm like, time to decompress and I'm fine with being there for a while. Yeah. So making the change in your career direction kind of brought you that peace and happiness that you were looking for instead of yes, your day yes. being I, your um, day is rather feeling fulfilling and happy yes yes I, I i did notice in 2016 like my my day was like okay i would wake up in the morning i would go to work and i had roommates at the time we were all interning so we would all go to work and we'd stay there for eight, nine, ten hours. And then we'd get home. We'd kind of talk a little bit, but we'd be so exhausted, just like mentally exhausted from work. And we'd just go to sleep. We didn't really hang out much. We didn't have we didn't try to make friends in the town necessarily, but that was kind of exhausting. It was like, man, I have to do this for 40, 50 years. I don't I don't know. It seems lonely. Like once I'm in my room, I already don't enjoy my day. And once I get home, I just, I'm so tired that I just want to go to sleep and I don't ever get to see my family. I don't really get to see my friends because I'm in a completely different town. And so, yeah, I did notice like when I was on the path of becoming an engineer, my days were less fulfilling and I needed more people around me. But I, I was so tired that I didn't really want people around me. Yeah. So I can understand some of my like peers feeling that, you know. Yeah, it's kind of a catch twenty two. So, um, <laughs> all right, I I noticed on your arm you have a, a tattoo. I think it says prolific. Is that what it says? Mm -hmm. All right. Yes, yes, ma'am. Tell me what that is. Um. Okay. So actually, funny story. <laughs> I got this when I quit my job, and it, it's prolific, which means like producing a lot, or I could be like fruitful, not in like bearing children, but in like producing a lot of content, producing a lot of like good things and putting a lot of good things out into the world. And so I got the tattoo like the day after I went home and got it. And I was like, I think I want this as like a memory of me deciding that, hey, you can do this on your own. You can be fruitful. You can put out a lot of good things into the world on your own without somebody standing over you telling you what to do. So every time I'm like thinking about being lazy or like, you know, all right, maybe I shouldn't make any content today, or maybe I shouldn't, you know, do some studying today. Then I remember, like, all right, you you have to do this now. Like, yeah, you're committed. You can be, yeah, you like you're committed now. <laughs> so, yeah, like that's that. why I got it. I like that. Well, I figured the way that it is, it is meant to make a statement out. You know, a lot of tattoos, if they're for you, they they turn them upside down and have them where if you have been in your arm, you're reading it. But that's pointing out. So that's a message to me. Yeah. And um, and that's quite a life statement. So that's one that can kind of carry you. Did you grow up kind of having um, the idea that you needed to have your mission statement? You needed to have your purpose? Um, Not really. It wasn't like it wasn't a thing that was like preached to me from my parents or anyone around me. It just it was a feeling. Um. I always felt like, man, I like I needed to like 
have a purpose for being here and for like, you know, doing the things that I do. So at first I thought, you know, all right, I want to make a bunch of money and I want to take care of my family and I want to like do all of these different things for other people. Like, but, but then it, it changed to like serving other people, not necessarily like doing, doing things that I didn't like to do for other people, but like finding the thing that I love to do and using that knowledge to serve other people. That's pretty deep. Did you, uh, as a child, did you think that deep? It, it's no, it, it took time. Um, I, I thought about my purpose a lot in high school because, because you, you're so young and everybody's telling you, Hey, you got to get your life figured out right away. Like you're 15, 16. Now you got to be thinking about college. Now you got to think about what you want to do for the rest of your life. Do you want to be a failure or no? And I'm like, Oh, this is a lot of pressure. I better start thinking. And so I, that's how I feel upon like, all right, purpose. I always, the word successful was always thrown around. I was a, a really good student. Um, and uh, so everybody's like, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna do good things. You're gonna be successful. But I didn't quite understand like what that meant. Does that mean like I go to school, I get the degree and then I get the job. Like, is that successful? I make a bunch of money, is that successful? And so I struggled a lot to figure out, all right, what does that mean? How do I get that? And so it was like this race of figuring out purpose and figure out what I need to do to be successful. And all before I turned 18, <laughs> Gotta have so a life plan that kind of steered me towards it. Well, and in your career now, you're also having to help people set their goals, or even if they're not setting them, you've got to know in your head, so that you know how the end game of being their trainer is. So is that difficult to kind of navigate and, and have goals and a process for your client? Um, it's, it's not that difficult now. Uh, the first thing that I do when I work with a client is I say, Hey, what are like, I want to sit down and, and do a goals assessment. So what are some things that you want? And usually, people aren't very clear on what they want. They'll say, hey, I just want to lose a little weight. Well, if you lose 0.2 pounds, that's a little weight. Like you lost a little weight, but is that good enough for you? So I like ask them to like get specific, get really specific about the goals. So I say, all right, you want to lose weight? How much weight do you want to lose? Let's set some goals that we can go back and a month or two, a month or two from now, like look at it and say, all right, did we get there or do we not? Like, it's a yes or a no. <laughs> My dad used to say, either you did or you didn't. <laughs> and he was like, did you do it or did you not? <laughs> and so um, I kind of take that approach with setting goals for clients. If it's not a weight loss thing, if it's not a number thing, maybe it's a strength goal. All right, I want to bench or I want to deadlift this much by when. Like, we, we put actual goals on it. Because what I don't want to do as a trainer is like string you along for months and months on end and you don't really get any results. And then at the end of our time together, you say, well, I don't know what I spent my money on, you know, like I don't really know that I needed a trainer to do this. So I want you to be able to look back, man, a month ago, I was bench pressing, you know, 95 pounds. Now I'm up to 125 yeah. and, and be happy and be satisfied with it. 
And so that's kind of how I organize like goal setting for, for clients. That's how I do it for myself too. Um, I can't just say, all right, I want to make this much money by the, by, or I want to make some money. Or I want to increase, you know, sales or something like that. Well, I could, if I made one extra sale, but am I happy with it? Yeah. So I get super specific to about goals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get super so, specific about my goals. Yeah. I like that. I mean, so it's gotta be, exact it's got to be measurable if it's not it's right. i guess if it's not measurable it's a dream and it's not really it a, a, a goal um yes. so so your clients are not necessarily 10th planet um jiu-jitsu practitioners so i mean it may oh, be yeah, somebody right. that hasn't set a toe on a mat yeah <laughs> so my most recent client is actually a firefighter from uh new york and her thing is she was like hey i don't i don't want to lose weight or anything i just have something to prove being a female firefighter and i was like okay so we were setting strength goals right and she was like yes and so that's what we've been working on never touch the mats so i'm completely fine with it she just she has something to prove and i i'm here for it <laughs> I love that. That's great. So being online has really opened up your clientele possibilities. Somebody's not having to be in Decatur, Alabama and knock on your door or meet somewhere. This online has really opened up your possibilities. Yes, ma'am. Um, I mean, there's, um, there's downsides to being online too, because I can't actually physically be there to make the adjustments, but I, I try to compensate with like, you know, checking in and having them send, send me videos. And then we meet once a week to like go over, all right, did this move feel good? Can I, can I watch you do it? Like, are you at the gym right now? Can I watch you do it? Um, and then I make corrections from there. That part I kind of miss, but it does free me up to work with a lot of people. Uh, a lot of my clients find me on TikTok, actually. Oh, <laughs> they really? They find me on TikTok. And, <laughs> and, and so um, they're all over the world, honestly. And they're just like, hey, I need a trainer. Here are my goals. And again, the first thing that we do, we do a goals assessment. We do a, a postural assess assessment. And then I start working on the plan. And then we meet again. And we just continue to meet until you feel like, all right, I've reached my, my goals. I don't have any more. I want to sit right now. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> That's great. So social media is a part of your life. Um, a lot of people your age are going, eh, I'm sick of it and walk away from it. So how does, evidently that's playing a pretty important role for you. So is it um, yeah. something you enjoy or something you endure or something you just go ahead and embrace? Um, at first it was a, a thing that I enjoyed when it was fun before it was like, Hey, you have to post. I really enjoyed it. It was just like, Hey, uh, look at me, look at me. And now it's more of, Hey, I want to like, I want to be of service to other people. So like the things that I post is not necessarily about me. Um, it's whether it be like, it's mostly about like, all right, can I motivate you today? Can I help you out? Can I like show you a different way of doing things today? But um, 
it becomes a job if you let it. Social media will become a job if you let it become a job. That was one thing that I struggled with right off the bat. Um, Brandon is really big. Brandon is my coach. He's really big on social media. And he's like, hey, you got to start posting once a day. And then it turned into, hey, post on all of these platforms once a day. And it'll, it'll become a job if you don't jump out in front of it and then limit your time on it. So um, what I what I did to like be, be able to like embrace social media and like as a job or embrace it as a part of my job is I plan all of my content beforehand. Um, I film it. Uh, I have a, a camera guy that comes down, we'll film it all. And then I'll just go in the app and post it and then completely remove myself from social media for the day. So I set a limit on my iPhone for like, it's two hours max for the entire day of, all right, I can do a live video on TikTok. I can post on Instagram. I can post to YouTube and then I can be completely off my phone. And if you need to contact me, I won't see it until the next day. So um, sometimes I'm like late replying to messages, but I have to because I have like a real world to tend to is what I always say. It's like social media is great. But I also have the real world where I have responsibilities. I need to talk to my family. I need to like train. I need to coach my in-person clients. I need to coach my like online clients. And social media is just a small part of that. So I don't want to spend, you know, 80% of my time on something that's going to yield 20% of, you know, my results. I think that that is amazing that you have taken it and being in the marketing communications field to have a, a person who has said, this is where it fits in the day. And it's just like reading emails or returning phone calls and you schedule it to where it doesn't all encompass and consume you, but seeing that that is where your people are. And so to, to have a relationship and talking back and a lot of you showing who you are, I mean, that, that, we're kind of fortunate in what you do is so vid- visual that a lot of times it doesn't take a lot of words. It just takes the, the visual and, uh, mm-hmm. and then you're going to communicate or connect with somebody. But, um, but on all the platforms, I mean, you kind of figure out where your people are and you can focus a little bit more. So where are most of yours are yours on TikTok or are they on Instagram or, or is it just well? I have a I have a bunch of uh, I'm sorry. Or across the board. Um, I, I have a bunch of followers on TikTok, and um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure just yet. This is really new to me. TikTok is really new, and I think maybe a month ago I had like five thousand followers on TikTok. But uh, I mean, fast forward, maybe like two months ago I had like five thousand followers. And then, like, I swear, almost overnight, it turned into, like, 36,000 people. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so people, they're really engaged with my content. And whenever I do live videos, they hop in and they ask really good questions. But um, as far as, like, the like the jujitsu community, I feel like that's mostly on Instagram. Yeah which is, is a complete different story. I think I maybe have like 3,800 followers on Instagram, whereas TikTok is like 35, 36,000. Wow. I'm, I'm working on like carving through those people and finding like 
the, my target audience. Right. Who your real people are. So, uh-huh. um, wow, that's fascinating. Well, I, I'm at a little bit disadvantage because I was, I, I was not going TikTok. I was not going to learn it for clients. And now I think I'm going to have to, because if I have younger clients, then that's what they're, they're going to go for or people who have products that go toward a younger audience. And I had Tori here for so long that I just watched her TikTok. And I mean, she can mm-hmm. spend the most amount of time I've ever seen anybody spend doing nothing but laughing at really stupid things. <laughs> and they were funny, but it was like, I didn't see any value. But then Becca had a friend here this weekend and everything she cooked at the lake here this weekend, she had learned on TikTok. And I'm like, what? That's like a thing that you can go follow recipes and all that kind of stuff. I just didn't realize it had gone to that. So, yeah. Um, and so the algorithm is, it's super strange. It, it picks up on the things that you're interested in. So if I like a video about cooking, then all right, that, that video will continue to pop up. The person that posted will continue to pop up and then they'll throw you another video about cooking. Hey, do you like this type of cooking stuff? Like, do you like, you know, Japanese cuisine? Okay. Then you'll start getting more videos like this. Oh, you don't like this cuisine. All right. You won't get any more videos about this. The algorithm is just super, um, super advanced, which is why I think it allows people to hop on and blow up right away Mm -hmm. because it, it, feeds you to your target audience like right away. Well, that's pretty good. That is good for you. So what is really important is that you curate your content in a consistent manner, not just timing, but the actual content that you're putting out, that it not be so random of, Oh, there's a turtle. Oh, here's an exercise. You know, I mean, it's like, you know how some people do with their Instagram. It's like, they've got, everything but what they're selling or talking about on on their yes right their page so well that's right yeah so um, yeah i so i try to build like the whole branding around all right i'm an athlete i will I, I build it around being myself so like anything that i do post is like uh based around the message that my brand is is so uh i like workout stuff sometimes i'll post jujitsu stuff sometimes i'll do uh, just like a lifestyle clip uh i actually was making one last night of just me taking an ice bath it was just hilarious but it's still on brand with hey like, right follow the process chop wood carry water follow the process all the way through have fun with it and like you know enjoy the process follow the process enjoy the process what'd you just say chop wood and carry water or did I hear oh, that? Oh, yeah. Chop wood, carry water. Um, it's this book that I just, I, I read it maybe a couple of months ago. And it's just about the process. It's So the gist of the book is there's this guy, this young guy that wants to be like a samurai archer. And he's like doing all of these different things to try to speed up the process of, um, of becoming like the best samurai archer he can be. And his, his professor or like his mentor is just like, hey, no matter what you do, like you're not going to speed up this process. You still have to chop wood and carry the water down to the, like carry the water up to the, the, the bunkers every day, or it may not be bunkers, but whatever yeah. the housing situation is, you still have to like, even if you are the best, you still have to chop 
Chopwood, Cherry Water. Even the oldest guys, the oldest archers that have been here, they still have the Chopwood and Cherry Water. So fall in love with that. And then the results will come, but there's no way to speed this up. There's no fast track. <laughs> and so the whole book is just like him doing different things, trying to figure out, all right, well, if I train twice as hard, then I can hurt, I can rush through this process and I can be an archer in no time. And then it, he's like getting hurt over use injuries and stuff like that. And so that's, that's the gist of it. So I kind of took that and I, I just say it a lot to myself. I love it. I I looked it up while you're talking about it. It's um Rick Fields, um who who oh. wrote the Code of the Warrior, How Swans Came to the Lake, History of Buddhism in America, Chopwood Carry Water, and the Turquoise Bee. Turquoise Bee I've just heard about not long ago, um, but the chopping wood carrying water. The greatest lessons are in our everyday life. That is awesome. And that is exactly what I hear you encompassing is that your everyday life is what you build on each and every minute and then pour that back out. So that's pretty, that's pretty phenomenal. Um, You're really wise for being so young. So what (laughs) boulders have been in your pathway that you've had to either go around, go through, decide that they're going to be there and you just deal. Um, can you think of something? Um, so I, I think one of the biggest boulders we can already touch on is like the traditional way. And uh, that one kind of stood in my way for a, a very long time because uh, one of my one of the things that I want to what I feel like kind of is included in my purpose is to kind of show the people where I'm from. Like they're the traditional way is perfect. It's fine. It works. But there's also another way that you can pay for yourself that works and gets you to the same place. <laughs> and so um, that one kind of stood in my way because I didn't have anybody to look to for like advice or guidance because all of my family members, they're teachers, like they went to school, they got a degree and they do their job and then they come home and, and that's fine and I love it. But I um like that stood in my way because I didn't have any guidance on how to com- navigate a completely different path. It was, and I wish for my brother the same thing. I was like, man, if he had some, some kind of like guidance to help to navigate a different path, then like things would be the same as with me. Like he'd be doing what he loves. You so know, that, that one stood as a boulder for sure. Yeah. And I can see that. I mean, so often in, in um, my career, I wanted to just say I'm a teacher, I'm a nurse. Cause people go, Oh, okay. And you don't have to have an elevator speech. They know, they know <laughs> what that is and you don't have to define it but you kind of have to have an elevator bumper sticker kind of um, nutshell who you are and what you are. So what is your elevator yes. speech? Oh God. <laughs> um, I, I always just kind of put it off. I'm just like, ah, uh, I'm a, I'm a coach. I always kind of just throw it into the box because like you said, if I would have said, Hey, I'm an engineer, 
then everybody be like, oh, that's so cool. I bet you like make a bunch of money. I bet you do a bunch of cool stuff. Well, you're but in smart. reality, that's mm-hmm. like not the case, but that's the like common perception of it, right? But when I say, oh, I'm a coach and I'm an athlete, they'll go, you're what? Like, all right, how do you like get clients? When people say coach, they think about like a high school coach that works in the gym. And, and then when I say athlete, they're just like, oh, okay, you do karate. And I'm just like, <sighs> so usually I just say uh, it's, I'm, I'm just a coach and I, you know, I'm a trainer, online trainer. Well, we got to work on that. Cause the, <laughs> I'm just a coach never needs to come out of your mouth again. Um, <laughs> because, uh, you know, that's, I think that a lot of today people are really having to focus on mindset and mindset can get you miles down the road. And I think during COVID and, and then here, once again, we're looking at your mindset and how you project your value is paramount to having a good day and, and, and to our health actually. So yes, hundred percent. Yeah. And you, we talked earlier and, and you were saying that your routines are kind of what keep you kind of keep you in check and keep you going. So is there anything else that you draw on um, to, to kind of make sure your mindset and then after you say in that elevator, I'm just a coach, how do you make yourself feel like not just a coach when you walk out of that elevator? Um, so it's, it's more of, uh, when I say I'm just a coach, it's more, I, I really don't care to like talk to people and like explain myself a bunch, <laughs> a whole bunch. Yeah, there's that intro. <laughs> so I, in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh yeah, if you don't, you wouldn't understand. So I just don't like waste the time on it. But in my mind, I'm like, all right this like the things that I drawn is what I feel like my purpose is, which is like showing people there's a different path. And I also drawn again, my, my daily routines, like the, I try to live like a, a disciplined life. It's just the way that I like to do things. I was um actually telling my friend earlier, like while I was on the phone, I was like having to like, calculate my macros and plan my, my meals ahead of time. And I was like, ah, this is the discipline I missed. Like, cause I only have to do it when I'm like trying to lose weight or trying to cut weight. And so I was like, ah, this is the discipline I like I've missed. I feel good about this. And she was like, you're crazy. I was like, no, like I love this. <laughs> and so I, I draw on that to like keep my mindset strong. It's like, um, there's this book, the, the book of five, five rings, like the way of the samurai. And, and they just talk about like the, the disciplined life about like all right your everyday stance is your fighting stance so what you do in your everyday life is like what you'll kind of show or present in your like in your fighting life and so that i draw on all the time it's really interesting but the elevator pitch is just like i don't care that much yeah yeah you just want out of the elevator um (laughs) so, so um it's funny when you say that because I can remember as a small child just had a flashback of if you don't behave at home, you don't behave in public because what you're doing at home every day, every moment is what comes out when, when the pressure's on. I can remember my mother saying that more than once and she was probably right. But, um, <laughs> but well, that is, that is really, I, I like that. There's a lot of insight into that what do you do when you have a client who's like 
has all these lofty goals and everything. And then I've often heard Isaac say sometimes that it's frustrating to know what somebody needs to do to help them with that plan. And then they just don't do it. So do you just say, Hey, I like you as a person, but you know, we kind of need to move on. How do you handle that? Yeah. Yeah. So after a while, um, I, I really don't care if it like costs me money, really. I, my, my time and my energy is very important to me. And so after a while, uh, I, I get real about like, hey, you're not doing the work to get where you need to be. Like either like do the work or we just need to like end right here. So there, there comes a point where you notice a trend and then you say, hey, like you, you're nice about it at first. You're like, hey, like, what are you doing? Like, you need to be doing this. Have you have you tried doing this? And usually this the person will like give you a bunch of reasons why they can't do it or they haven't doing done it. And then you'll come back with like, all right, here's some alternatives. Uh, can you try these? We'll meet back up, we'll talk about it some more. And then after a while, you're just like, all right, this person has no intentions on like doing these things. And I'm I'm like always forced to like, dang, do I like in the subscription and you know lose the money or do i just continue to waste my like time and energy on this person for for money and i always choose like hey you you may have to find somebody else i don't think i can give you the training that you want because we're not seeing any results and i can't there's no way for me especially if i'm not physically there there's no way for me to make sure that you get the that you do the work to get the results you have to be motivated yourself you have to be disciplined yourself i can't tell you i can tell you all day what to do but i can't actually do it for you so right. there comes a point where you're just like all right i'll have to leave now <laughs> yeah well even if you're there even if you're in person i mean you can't sit down and go okay i'll lift that for you and then you know i mean that's just and it and it kind of sucks out some of your soul if you kind of mm -hmm. keep doing that so, so yeah, I, there was a time where I, there was a time where I, I ran a program and uh, every day I would walk in and they would just complain before they even knew what the workout was. And it slowly sucked the soul out of me. And I was just like, all right, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot do the program anymore. Yeah. I love you guys. I really do. But I cannot. First thing in the morning, I hate complainers. And first thing in the morning, I hate to be complained to. Like yeah. you just woke up there's a, a bunch to be grateful for right there you're yeah. moving right now right please don't take this for granted <laughs> right that's true my guys grew up swimming and so we didn't talk you know they had to be in the pool five o'clock in the morning and so we're leaving the house at 4 30 and nobody's talking i mean that you just didn't it's like just be silent mom will drive so that we can kind of just chill and I remember going on a trip and this, I had to room with this woman and she said, do you never say good morning? And it's like, no, I don't. I mean, morning is just kind of your time to get up, do what you're doing, put a smile on your face or whatever, but it's your time to, to rise to the day. But I can't imagine doing that and somebody whining to me at the same time. I'd have to let them, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fare well with that. Um, talk to me just yeah. a little bit. You mentioned macros and a lot of people um, kind of try to do that. Isaac introduced to us 
challenged us actually. He's a vegan and he challenged us to um, eat vegetarian. And so I said, okay, I'll do it. And, um, and I, I went that way and I've, I've stayed on it, but recently he introduced us to the macros because it is really kind of hard to make sure you're getting all of the things that you need. But do you mm-hmm. work with people on that? And I guess um, life sum is what he, he gave us. And um, I've actually fallen in love with it. It's kind of a challenge of making sure you have each meal balanced. And, and then I got this little food scale where you could weigh your dish and then subtract the dish out and then put whatever in it. And that is, it's um, weird, but fun. So, um, so do you work with people on macros? Do you find that the majority of people, I mean, I really had never even heard of or understood macros and I still don't understand. Um, so it's a little bit beyond the scope of my practice to like help people figure out their, their macros, but there is a calculator online that I always like send people to and say, Hey, here's what you should be looking at around your weight and activity level. Here's like what you should be eating. And then based on your goals, we'll like adjust the macros. And so the macros are just your macronutrients, which is your carbs, your fats and your protein. And all of those count for like a set amount of calories per gram. So a carb is four gram, uh, one gram of carb is four calories. One gram of protein is four calories and one gram of fat is nine calories, which is why everybody kind of like deems fat to be bad, but you actually need it. So all of those are very important, very important for like your, like the quality of your food and different hormone functions. It's important for your body to function on those things. And then there's a micronutrients, just like your vitamin A, B, C, you know, D all the way through K. And then all the different minerals that you need to like, you know, do your daily functions just for your body to do what it's supposed to do. And so um, it was it was kind of new to me when it was introduced to me. But I was you know, I I didn't even really know what a calorie was when I first started. And so, uh, yeah, it's important to kind of shift those based on what your goals are. And so I'm doing I, I was looking at my macros because I'm trying to lose weight. But um, I, I have like a month to do it and I, I needed to know I needed to cycle my carbs. So I needed to eat high carbs in the days where I where I was doing a lot of work, where I had a lot of practices and I eat low carbs on the days where it's a, a risk day where I'm not having like a, a really high level of activity. So um, the challenge with that was making sure that my calorie count yeah. stays around the same or below what it needs to be so i had to like go in and if i'm going to eat high carbs then i'll change my fat and go low fat so that my calorie stays the same yeah. like the amount of calories i consume in the day and if i'm going to eat low carb then i need to have high fat high protein so that my calorie stays the same and my my muscles not breaking down yeah and i'm really just losing like body fat yeah, that's important as a fighter or when you're going into competition and and all of that. I think that's that's why Isaac does it so much. So, what competitions are you looking towards and is that is that what you're doing? Is that the part of your long-term goals that you you make this into uh I mean, you're in a gym that they do a pretty good amount of competition. And um 
Oh, yes. Yeah. So is that where you're headed and where you've been? Uh, yeah. So when I when I first um, talked to Brandon, like like a serious conversation, he was like, hey, what do you want to do with this thing? And I was like, I don't know. I really like training, though. And he was like, I think you could be really good at this. Uh, start coming to the gym on Tuesdays and Thursdays. At the time, I was training at Tent Planet Muscle Shows. And so I would drive on Tuesdays and Thursdays about an hour to, to go to his gym and like train and stuff. And he's like, all right, you need to start competing. Like I've competed like once or twice before then. And it, I was just so nervous about it and so weird about it that I, I was almost turned off from it. And I was like, oh, I don't know. But then I like jumped out and started doing more and more tournaments and getting more comfortable with the feeling because it never really went away. Yeah. I'm always like anxious is not necessarily nervous, but it never really went away. And I, I just like jumped out and started competing more and more and more. And then like, I think two years ago, I jumped into like my first like professional bracket where there was like money on the line and like, there's like a title and stuff. And I ended up winning it. And um, Brandon was a commentator for it and he live streamed it. And he was like running the bracket and stuff. He wrote the bracket on a sheet of paper. And after the tournament was over with, he handed me the paper. He was like, you don't want to frame this along with the money that you just won. And he's like, this is the first one. And it, it was the first one. And I started competing a bunch for like money tournaments, like pro tournaments. And I started winning a bunch. And I, I've also lost like two or three now. But that's that's what I want to do. I want to compete at the, the highest levels i want to like dominate at the highest levels uh not just compete i want to like win <laughs> I, i'm really competitive and i, I want to win at the highest levels and so that's what i'm looking at i have uh, a qualifier tournament coming up in september that i'm training for uh, my last tournament was uh sabatero was another like pro grappling event uh sabatero in florida and I ended up getting, uh, I lost in the second round in like an overtime situation. And so I just, I'm just going to look for more competitions to compete in. I'm really excited about the one that's coming up. The qualifiers is in Los Angeles. And then if I win, I get a chance to go to, um, I believe it's Cancun to compete on an even bigger stage. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, and I might be looking at, like, you know, some trials, some ADCC trials or Nogi Worlds. Like, those are the things I want to, like, get out there and really get my name out and compete and just, like, put on a performance, put on a show. Yeah, and Brandon talks about the fact that it's one thing to know what you're doing to get out there and do it, but if it's not a show, it really isn't that much fun. So you're not – I mean, it's great to win, but it's got to be a show too. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I I believe in that. I hate watching boring jujitsu. Like, we understand that you can pin a person or you can hold a person in your car for, you know, eight minutes and win the match. But, man, it does nothing for the sport. Like, yeah. an outsider doesn't want to watch you hold some person down for, you know, eight, ten minutes. Like, we want to see action. And so that's why I'm trying to, like, actively put more motion into my game so that it is exciting to watch me compete yeah. not just you know me hold a person there for 10 minutes and then beat my chest when i win right. because i held a person there right it kind of loses the art um all right i understand why you can't have an elevator speech because that really 
you'd have to have longer than an elevator speech to say, I, I want to dominate, you know, that might not come over. <laughs> yeah, they might walk out of the elevator scared. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we've been down a whole bunch of roads. And is there there anything, um, Kaya, that we have not addressed that you want to make sure that you address to young people or, you know, people who are looking towards a life change or people who are um, on the mat and to kind of challenge them to, to their game? Um, yeah, I, I think I think it's really important that you not only find the, the thing that you love to do, like that's the cliche thing that people say is find what you love to do and you'll never work a, a day in your life. Uh, I think it's important to understand that it's work. <laughs> it's always work. But again, it's that I go back to the chop wood, carry water. Like it's a process and you, some days you're not going to love the process, but that's when your discipline kicks in. That's when like your passion kicks in that's when you like really get to test like all right do i really really want this like if your if your purpose is not in order if the reason you're doing this is not in order it's so easy to just forget about the process and you know take a day off and so yeah find what you love to do but understand it's still going to be work it's going to be even more work than you know the traditional way it's going to be twice if not three times as much so like just understand that there's a process and you just got to chop wood, carry water, follow it all the way through. Same thing with jujitsu. It's the same way. We show up every day, we drill, we chop wood and we carry water. We learn things and then we follow it all the way through. And then maybe one day we'll be like, you know, the samurai archer that we always wanted to be. If you had a superpower and you had it for 24 hours and you can use it professionally or personally, what would that superpower be? Why would you choose it? What would it be? Why would you choose it? How would you use it? 24 hours. Hmm. This is super simple. I would just want to fly. <laughs> um, I, again, I always liked like aerospace. I was always fascinated with planes and stuff. I would just want to fly and go visit a bunch of places. I would 100% maximize the 24 hours that I got it. I would just fly everywhere I could think of. That's awesome. That's, it's super simple, but that's what I'm thinking of. But you know, I kind of like it because there are so many levels to you and complex and, and really hard work that 24 hours are just fun for you. Sounds like an absolute gift. So, um, how do people it get, how do people get in touch with you? Um, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Kaya.j. That's uh, K-I-A-Y-A dot J. And then I'm also on YouTube as Kaya J. Okay. And if they wanted to have a virtual trainer, is that uh, where they could start a conversation with you? Yes, or go to my website. It's train.kayaj.com and just fill out a form and I'll contact you. Always open to taking on new clients that are excited to work. Fantastic. I can't thank you enough for today. I have loved every minute of it and um, feel like I've gotten thank to you. know you and, and you're uh, just a fascinating young lady. And I hope that the <laughs> listeners have um, 
tuned in and they want to get to know you more by following what you're doing. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. To the beat of my own drum I got my pockets full of dreams And they're busting at the seams going Find Stacked Keys Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, or anywhere you get your favorite podcast listen. You'll laugh out loud, cry a little, and find yourself encouraged. Join us for casual conversation that leads itself based on where we take it, from family to philosophy to work to meal prep toward beautifully surviving life. Great big world that